Fall Asleep with Henrik is a most wondrous and enchanting podcast, intended to lull you into a deep slumber. Know that you need not exert yourself in listening to the words, for each episode is fashioned after a dream, wherein coherence waxes and wanes and twists and turns. Be not overly concerned with its meaning, for it simply exists for what it is. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there. It's great to have you here with me on Fall Asleep with Henrik, my podcast that's designed to help you fall asleep. My name is Henrik, and I'm just an ordinary person from Sweden who's passionate about helping others get a good night's rest. I'd love it if you followed me on Instagram and YouTube, and if you enjoy the podcast, feel free to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Fall Asleep with Henrik is actually the English version of the Swedish podcast Somna Med Henrik, which has been helping hundreds of thousands of people in Scandinavia fall asleep since 2018. The word Somna means fall asleep in Swedish, and it's become synonymous with a unique experience that only Scandinavians have come to know. And now that experience is available to you in English. What makes this podcast so special? Well, unlike traditional relaxation or meditation podcasts, I won't be using visualization techniques or deep breathing exercises to help you relax. Instead, I'll be talking about random things in an improvised and often illogical manner. My goal is to provide a distraction for listeners who are trying to fall asleep, be creative, or do boring, repetitive tasks. You don't need to actively listen to the content. Just let my voice become your jumbled thoughts for a while without worrying too much about the words. The podcast's moral, if it has one, is to remind you that life is unpredictable and often illogical, but that's okay. Hello and welcome to Fall Asleep with Henrik. Your deep-voiced donkey 
your comforting can of fruit in the night. I am Henrik and you are Somna and that's the way it is. What happens, happens. And right now there's nothing we can do about it. Let's get started. Hi, Somna. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well myself. As much as one can be sure of such a thing. I never really know how I'm doing, actually. As soon as someone asks me that question, I start looking inside myself for the right answer, and it's very rare that I find it. But I won't talk about that anymore. What I will talk about, I don't know yet. As usual, I'm sitting here with my washed neck. I wonder what it means. I know I've said it before somewhere, and now I'll say it again. Washed neck. That's all there is to it. Doesn't mean anything else, but at the same time, it does mean something. Or maybe not even that. Maybe it only means that when I wash my neck, then I have a clean neck. But if I had no neck, would I still have a clean neck? If I didn't have a neck, could I wash it? Couldn't I just put some water on my head instead of washing it? No, probably not. So perhaps this isn't the whole story after all. Perhaps it's more complicated than that. In any case, that's how things stand with me. I think back over everything that has happened to me since the last time we met. I remember our meeting in the forest. I was lying under an oak tree and reading a book. And you were standing nearby, leaning against the trunk. You came up to me, asked who I was, where I lived, what I did, whether I liked music, and so forth. Then you sat down beside me and started talking. We talked for quite a while, about yourself mostly, or rather about your life. I listened attentively to every word you said, because you spoke slowly, deliberately, as if each sentence was carefully weighed before being uttered. It wasn't until later that I realized you were speaking in code. You told me you'd been married once, but your spouse had become a zebra many years ago, and now you lived alone with a dog. Or some other animal. I don't know. You went on telling me about your life but nothing made sense to me. Your sentences seemed like riddles and I didn't want to admit that they might be so. After all, I knew nothing about you. 
The only thing I knew was that you looked sad and somehow guilty too. There was something about you that suggested guilt and that's why I decided to help you. So I took off my jacket and offered it to you. You thanked me politely and put it on. Then you stood up and left, saying that you must go home. I followed you through the forest. When we got there, you said goodbye to me and then you disappeared into thin air. So I shouldn't be interested in things that happen far away from here. But sometimes curiosity gets the better of me. And today, for instance, I found myself wondering what you're doing now and what kind of life you lead. I wondered if you ever think about me or if you've forgotten me completely. I haven't seen you again since that day. But yesterday evening, while I was walking along the shore, I suddenly heard a voice calling my name. It sounded just like yours. It was coming from inside a building that was being demolished. So I went in to see what was going on. And there you were. Of course. It was you. You were sitting on a pile of rubble holding a bottle of beer in your hand. You smiled when you saw me and called out, Hi, Henrik! Then you drank your beer and laughed happily. You were wearing the same clothes as before, but now your hair was shorter, almost shaved off entirely. It looked strange on your head, but I suppose it suits you better this way. Then you asked me whether I remembered our conversation by the oak tree. Of course I did. You asked me if I still felt sorry for you, and I said yes. I still felt sorry for you. Then you said, that's nice. And then we both started laughing. But why are you drinking beer in the middle of the night? What's so funny about that? Are you drunk? Did you drink too much? Why don't you stop? Don't you care about yourself? I'm sure you're thinking that I've changed too. That I look different now. Well, maybe I have. My hair isn't as long as it used to be, and my beard isn't as thick either. But that doesn't mean anything. A person can change his appearance without changing who he really is inside. It happens all the time. People come in contact with new people and their ways of living, and they start behaving differently. They even begin to look different. This is what I call a metamorphosis. You probably think that I'm talking nonsense. But no one has ever understood me as well as you do. Even though you never say a word, 
This is, after all, a podcast. Once upon a time, there was an old man who had two daughters. One day he said to them, I am growing very old and shall soon die. I have no money at all. Then the elder daughter took off her gold ring and gave it to him, saying, Take this for my dowry when I marry. The second daughter also gave her father a golden ring, but she said nothing about marriage. Soon afterward, both of the girls married men who were rich enough to be their father's equals. Now, after some years had passed, the younger daughter died, leaving behind her only one little son. When he grew up, his mother told him that his father was dead. He wept bitterly and refused to believe it. His mother then showed him a letter in which his father asked him not to grieve too much over his death because he now felt himself so happy with his wife's parents. In addition, the mother read him another letter from his father in which he begged him to take care of his mother as if she were still alive. The boy became convinced by these letters that his father was indeed living and went into the forest to look for him. There he met a wolf, who asked what kind of creature he was. I am a human being, replied the youth, and the wolf answered, Then come along with me, and you will become such a fine fellow that everyone will admire you. So they set out together through the forest. The next evening, the wolf stopped at a cottage where three young women lived. They sat down on the bench outside the house, ate and drank something or other, and fell asleep. When they woke up again, the sun was already high in the sky. The girl who owned the cottage said to her sisters, I wish I could find a husband as well as you do. Her two sisters laughed at her because she was so shallow. But the third sister replied, I don't need a husband yet, but perhaps God will send me one. And sure enough, before long she found herself sitting beside a handsome young prince in a golden carriage drawn by six horses. She got into the carriage with him, and they rode away. After travelling many days and nights without stopping, they came to a large city where everything glittered like gold and silver. The prince entered the gates of the town with his bride, and everyone marvelled at how beautiful she was. When they reached the palace, they were received by the king and queen, 
who were delighted to see the charming maiden with her princely groom. The wedding feast was magnificent. The guests ate and drank until late into the night, when suddenly the clock struck twelve. All the lights in the hall went out, and darkness reigned everywhere except for a single small light burning near the throne. No one knew where it came from. As soon as the people saw it, they realized that this must be the spirit of the deceased father looking down on his beloved son and daughter-in-law. Everyone began to weep. The bride turned pale and hid her face in her hands. Then the old man stood up and said, My dear children, I am your father who has been dead these many years. Forgive me for having left you alone so long. I wanted to give you time to grow up properly. Now I want you both to promise me never to separate. The young couple promised faithfully that they would always stay together and love each other forever. Then the old man vanished in a flash of lightning. They lived happily together for some time, but then the prince decided he wanted to travel around the world and see all the wonders of the earth. He therefore called his servants and ordered them to prepare everything necessary for his journey. While he was thus engaged, his wife secretly sent for her two sisters, and they all three made plans to have a girl's weekend when he was gone, or something. I don't know what royals do when the prince goes away. Well, anyway, they had a great time together. But the prince returned home unexpectedly while they were still enjoying themselves. When he walked into the room where his wife and her sisters were playing cards, the two older ones tried to hide their faces, but the youngest one didn't even try. Instead, she greeted him cheerfully and asked if he had enjoyed his travels. Yes, he replied, I did indeed enjoy them very much, especially my meeting with your family. The girl blushed deeply and lowered her eyes. But her sisters were furious and declared that she should leave immediately. She obeyed, but she kept thinking about her husband all the way home. When she arrived back at her own house, she thought that it might not be so bad to live there with her sisters after all, since she loved her husband so much. The next morning she packed her things and set off for her parents' house. She knocked on the door and was told to come in. Her mother welcomed her joyfully and asked why she was coming home now instead of staying with her husband. Oh, she replied, I can no longer stand being separated from him. We have fallen so deeply in love with each other that we cannot bear to be parted. 
Her mother was astonished by this news and urged her to go back with her husband. No, she said. I don't want to leave him. Her mother begged her again and again, but she wouldn't listen to any of it. Finally, her father said to her, You are making a big mistake, my child. I don't know what this story is all about anymore. Who is she in love with again? What does she mean by saying she's falling in love? Don't talk like that, father, she said. I'm going to marry him whether you like it or not. So she went back to her husband and stayed with him until boredom took them both. Now let me tell you another story. As you know by now, there's no logic in my episodes. I say, I say whatever comes up. And so, without further ado, I'm going to mention some random dude running around throwing quilt over folks, over the town folk. They didn't like. The town folk threw some shit at the fella running around town. They said to him, not to, uh, not to do that. Dramatizing this all, as I see it, there's no easy way to begin. You see me a mess with my shirt ripped, and half a shirt wrapped around my left forearm and arm, as it is. I don't need you thinking my head is swimming from booze. Come back in a month. See my head all clear and how this came about. And this, if we survive these trying times and go on, in this world of chaos. Into that wild tomorrow. Okay, so did I lose you now? Good. This is a sleeping podcast after all. The next episode will be better. But until then, here are just two quick bits, which may or not make sense, but hey, who am I, right? The only reason anyone goes through their life doing anything is because it benefits them somehow. Some might argue against this notion, saying, but why? And yes, indeedy, those are good questions. However, I'd rather ask another question first. Why does any being want anything at all? That seems an appropriate place to rest before moving forward, doesn't it? I'll tell you straight out. Nobody gives a damn unless they're getting more than nothing for giving one. For example... 
Imagine you live your whole life, never once taking time off work except maybe Christmas Day. What would that be like? No days free? Well, yeah, I guess that could happen. But again, nobody gets anywhere working themselves till exhaustion every single moment of existence. If everyone was smart and wise about everything, they were going to buy stuff anyway. But really, where's the fun in living such a bland, uninspired existence? I don't know. I... I think I'm going to be talking about horses now. So many reasons to ride a horse, yet so few folk do it. Horses can teach you so much and give so much in return. When someone tells me riding horses isn't for me, that's usually code for you ain't good enough. I've been called plenty of names since leaving home and becoming a traveling boy. Whatever I am. Boy, man. People calling me stupid, crazy, dumb, dumb, moron. Even a couple of different variations of asshole, too. Yet none of it matters anymore, because I got used to it years ago. It wasn't real hurtful talk. Though I must admit. But horses taught me how to take words and use them in my advantage. You see, a human being can learn quite a bit when they ride their heart out on top of the finest horse made by the horse maker, whomever that is. A horse has eyes that can show you secrets of nature itself. How often we fail ourselves simply believing what others told us, forgetting our own true instincts and senses. We believe wrongs done to us. Then look deeper into your inner self and find the truth hidden inside. Find the courage deep within yourself to move beyond fear and pain and doubt. Riding teaches patience and strength and humility. All qualities needed in order to grow as a person. Carrots, for instance, they are not people. I don't care what you say. Beautiful. Oh sure, sometimes it takes longer for carrots to become confident with the reins and other animals besides humans. Donkeys especially require long hours of training before they feel safe under saddle. Not to sound rude, but, I mean, seriously speaking, what person thinks vegetables are people? Well, okay, fine, I suppose there might be some who think otherwise. But honestly, they haven't tried very hard to try either. In fact, I bet most fools would run screaming for miles upon seeing a horse. Me included. I... I rode a horse once or twice... but it didn't appear as a second nature to me. So, how are you? I'm doing well myself. 
as much as one can be sure of such a thing. I never really know how I'm doing, actually. So let's begin by asking ourselves what we have in common today. My neighbor is wearing light-colored pants. And he doesn't take off his shoes before going to bed at night, like some people do. That makes him a bit strange. No more than any other habit does. If it was an unpleasant one, or if it did harm anyone else, then I might get mad. Otherwise, not so much. Then there are all sorts of little habits. For example, on Sunday morning, when you go down into the garden after breakfast, there are two men out raking up leaves. Now I'm a man who likes order around me. But I also believe that each person should enjoy living freely, just like nature itself does. So why these two men spend their Sundays doing work they could have done during the week? Because it would make things easier for us humans. They want our lives to be easier, even though we're alive. When someone has time to think about life, this is how he thinks. If only people were better. But we have enough problems as it is, without inventing new ones for ourselves. Now let's turn to another point where we have something in common. We both keep looking for happiness. Maybe we'll find it together sometime, but not today. This isn't what brings us here now. Just thinking about finding happiness drives people crazy because they feel themselves so powerless against such powerful forces. What makes me laugh is when people talk to me about human happiness. No matter how many times you try to explain to them that real happiness lies elsewhere, it still seems too difficult. There's nothing simpler than talking about your own personal troubles, which are always so immediate and concrete. Even if I ask myself whether I've been happy today, my answer will depend on what I had to eat, the weather, or who called while I was sitting at the table. That doesn't help anybody. But then again, what do you mean by happiness? In one sense, it might seem ridiculous that we can't even say clearly what we mean by that word, especially since we use it all the time. But maybe that's also the beauty of it of being able to live with words whose meaning constantly changes. That reminds me of a story. A king had a son who wasn't a good soldier and he didn't like him much. One day he told him, You must know, my son, that I'm a very bad man and not worthy to be king. 
If you become king instead of me, everything will go well. The young man answered, All right, father, I'll be your successor. But after the ceremony when he became king, he thought about it for the first time. I don't really want to be the king. And if everyone else knew how little interest I have in ruling over them, there wouldn't even be any reason for this ceremony. So he went to his father and asked to be excused from wearing the crown. But the king said angrily, How dare you? You swore loyalty to me and took an oath of allegiance. And now you're turning around and asking me to take back my throne? His son answered quietly, No, but I never wanted it anyway. Please forgive me for having taken your throne. Then the king embraced his son, and they were both happy again. Yes, I think that's happiness. When two people are happy together, that's why we love each other so passionately. Otherwise, we couldn't share such happiness with someone who means nothing more to us than anyone else does. Because people aren't just walking lumps of flesh who happen to get along well with others or who need something specific in order to make life pleasant. There is another kind of human being who wants to leave traces of his existence on the world and yet has no idea what that might look like. Maybe it will come down to some particular way he lives. Perhaps he will find it by chance. But what I am talking about today is not a matter of chance. Nor do I believe that you can force things into shape if you try hard enough. It simply happens, and you have only a vague feeling when it does. Even though you know that one day you will miss it very much when you've lost it forever. I'm sorry, this sounds as if I'm trying to talk myself out of living my life according to my own needs and my feelings rather than those of society. Well, yes, but then again, isn't this what makes me feel alive? We don't have to agree in advance. For example, we could discuss whether the right path is to work yourself up in order to become famous later on, or to live in harmony with nature in peacefulness and simplicity while fulfilling the needs of our fellow humans in ways appropriate to the situation. or maybe we'll discover an entirely new path. But whatever form it takes, it must be based on understanding. If it doesn't rest upon mutual understanding and respect for the rights of every individual person, it will inevitably lead to misery for someone or other, either for individuals or for whole nations.
I hope none of you minds too much if I finish off this speech with a little story from history. One night I was sitting here at home thinking how wonderful it would be to hear music coming through my window after I'd gone to sleep. And suddenly I realized that there was a concert going on somewhere nearby. People were playing instruments that I couldn't recognize. But that gave me a lot of pleasure because they seemed so lovely and so true. So I went outside onto the street and saw all sorts of people who looked so happy and so free. The next day I learned about the beautiful event and found out what kind of instrument each musician played. Then I heard the same thing over again today, although I didn't want it. And once more it sounded just as lovely as it did yesterday. This is what brought me to think about it. What has happened to us is just like that. It's always different, but it is never less than wonderful. And now we can begin to say goodbye to each other in friendship. Without rancor or hate, as long as we're still alive. Have you ever had a dream about the future? Maybe it was a strange or frightening vision. Or maybe it wasn't really a dream at all, but something you experienced while awake during some moment of sleep, where the boundaries between reality and dreams are not always clear. I have a dream that still comes to me from time to time. It's the kind of dream I've sometimes had before in which I'm standing outside my house on a street corner waiting for the bus, when suddenly the world around me becomes a dark grey fog with white clouds drifting by. Sometimes I'm wearing a long black dress. Other times it's just a pair of pants and a t-shirt. But most often it's a skirt or some sort of fancy suit. And there's never any place for me to stand. The sidewalks are filled with people who move like a slow-moving river. This is a fantastic dream. I really enjoy it when it appears. In these dreams, I always wait until someone has gone by before I step off the curb and start walking down the sidewalk. I feel so brave as I walk along because I know that Whatever happens will only be temporary. The moment will end and everything will return to normal as soon as the people start to flow out from behind me again. As much as I love these dreams, though, the streets and buildings look the same. But everything is different inside. Everything looks different, and none of the people around me look familiar. It's almost impossible to get oriented. I don't even know which way is north anymore and where my house is located. All I know is that I can't stay here forever. I must eventually get back. Then one day I'll wake up and the fog will lift. 
and all will be normal once again, and I'll know which way is north and how to get home from here. The girl who lives in the house doesn't really want to live there. She feels that she should go to school with everyone else instead of living with her family of otters. But since they already knew each other and liked one another so well, it turned out they could all live together very happily. She likes to play in the garden behind their house with their little dog. And she likes it when the three otters do the dishes and clean the kitchen after dinner. But she does miss school and wishes there was something more for her to do besides helping them. But sometimes it's hard for her to make herself understood because she talks differently than everyone else. They can't always understand what she says, and sometimes she gets upset because she can tell they're annoyed. But even though she knows they think she's silly or dumb, the girl doesn't actually care. Because deep down, the girl is very proud of her otter side and loves it and wants to show it off. It's so much fun pretending to be an otter and it makes her happier than she's ever been before. The girl is also fascinated by the way the otters communicate with each other all the time. Their language is full of sounds that don't exist in the real world. And they can talk to each other without saying anything at all. They can use their voices as a telephone and say the most wonderful things to one another across the entire length and breadth of the city. There's nothing like it anywhere else in the world. She tries to imitate the sounds that the otters make in order to learn to speak their language. And she listens carefully to how they communicate with the people they meet every day. The girl doesn't think that the otters ever notice her. But it makes her very happy when she hears them using their language on the phone while talking to their friends. They call it talking otter. They even use the words the girl uses. Whenever they go to the park and talk to each other, they always talk on the otter. On the phone, they say. And then they hold the phone between their teeth. And they talk on the otter to each other. Then they give it back to her and ask her to keep the otter charged so that they can use it whenever they need it. And so the girl pretends to be an otter when she goes to the park. And she talks on the phone. Hello, she says in otter to the man who walks his dog along the path next to the fountain. Hi, this is your favorite otter, calling for my otter. Ah, hi. And the man replies and laughs. And he puts his fingers in his mouth and tries to say the word otter, just like the otters do on the telephone. They laugh together and continue to talk on the otter. That's the way they talk to each other. The otters also talk a lot to the people they meet in the grocery store, the post office and the bank. When the girl asks her father why the otters always talk on the otter whenever they meet people, 
He tells her that they're trying to learn how to talk to people in human language so that someday they can become better friends with them. He also tells her that when they first moved to the city many years ago, they didn't know anybody, and nobody knew them either. They had been left all alone because they hadn't been born in the city. The otters and the man had been very sad when they realized they had to leave their homes and families in the forest behind and come all the way to the other end of the world to live here. So they talked to one another on the otter and started telling stories to each other about the things they knew and the places they'd lived, the animals and plants and birds they liked best, how they made their beds and cooked the food they ate. They even told each other secrets they'd never told to anyone else before. Soon enough, the otters became good friends with everybody in the neighborhood. And the man started hanging out in their house all the time. He had met them all over the city and around the world. And they had told him many things about themselves and their families. After a while, the man started to believe that they actually could become human and start thinking and acting just like everyone else. He began to see that the otters were capable of understanding human language, at least a part of it. They still spoke with their voices on the telephone. I... This is really getting out of hand. The girl didn't really believe her father when he told her those things, but one evening she heard them laughing and talking on the phone while walking in the park. They were on the telephone, but talking otter. Otters are a fascinating group of aquatic mammals known for their playful personalities, nimble movements, and adorable appearance. These creatures are found throughout the world in a variety of habitats, from freshwater rivers and lakes to coastal estuaries and oceans. There are 13 different species of otters in the world, with the largest being the sea otter and the smallest being the river otter. Other species include the giant otter, Asian small-clawed otter, North American river otter, an African clawless otter. Each species has its unique characteristics, but all otters share a common trait. They are excellent swimmers. Otters are well adapted to their aquatic lifestyle, with streamlined bodies, webbed feet and thick fur. Their fur is incredibly dense, with up to one million hairs per square inch, which helps to insulate them in cold water. Otters also have the unique ability to close their nostrils and ears while swimming underwater, and their powerful tails help them maneuver through the water with ease. 
Otters are also known for their playful behavior, which serves a purpose beyond entertainment. Play is an important part of socialization for otters, helping them learn important survival skills and strengthening bonds within their family groups. Otters are also known to use tools, such as rocks, to crack open shellfish and other hard-shelled prey. This behavior is particularly evident in sea otters, who use rocks to break open clams and other mollusks. While otters are generally solitary animals, they do form close-knit family groups. These groups typically consist of a breeding pair and their offspring. Otters are very protective of their young and will fiercely defend them against predators. Otters are found in a wide variety of habitats, from freshwater rivers and lakes to coastal estuaries and oceans. Some species, such as the river otter, prefer freshwater habitats, while others, like the sea otter, are strictly marine. Otters are also found in a range of temperatures, from the cold waters of the Arctic to the warm rivers of South America. In conclusion, otters are fascinating and playful creatures that are well adapted to their aquatic lifestyles. I'm sorry I've been away so long. I was feeling kind of down and wasn't very interested in writing anything. And it's only gotten worse recently. I guess I'll have to try and write something anyway, just to get back into the habit. That might be a good idea. Maybe that will help me feel better. It's worth a shot at least. Anyway, the girl is still staying with the otters. She's really happy there. And she talks to them on the telephone whenever she can. They're pretty busy with work, so she usually calls them during the early mornings, at night, or when she's playing outside after lunch. The otters don't talk much, but they do listen to her when she talks on the phone. This is the final story of this night's episode. This very special woman. She was named Matty. She died when I was six or seven years old. That's remarkable, isn't it? She was born in the 1890s. She was one of ten children. And she actually invented a pretty good way to control blood sugar levels. It seems like such an elementary thing, but, you know, we're not quite there yet. We still have people who need insulin injections and all that sort of stuff. But her discovery could be used for so many other things, and she got it patented. So if someone asked me about heroes, I would definitely say that Matty was my hero. 
I think she should get a Nobel Prize. For something else too, of course. You know what they do with those now? They give them out as prizes for everything under the sun. There are more than 30 different types of Nobel Prizes, aren't there? I'm going to go find out which ones she might have been eligible for. I don't know what kind, though. So much choice. Anyway, I think we'd better stop here. This has taken us far too long already. The first time I saw him, he was walking down the street and I thought, Oh my God, that's just like me. He had the same goofy smile on his face. He looked lost in the world, but comfortable at the same time. Once upon a time, there lived a little girl who dreamed of being a ballerina. She practiced every day after school, but nobody ever took notice. One night, she woke up with butterflies in her stomach. When she went downstairs, her parents were gone. A wolf stood before her. It was Grandma. A long time ago, there was a small village in the mountains. In the center of town was a stone building that held the secret to eternal life. People came from miles around to see the mysterious place where the fountain of youth was found. One morning, the headmaster of the Academy of Arts wrote a letter to the King of the North. He said, Dear King, please allow my daughter to study at your prestigious school of magic. She will learn how to bend reality to her whim, but only if you promise to take care of her family after she dies. The king replied, Very well, please send her to me. When they arrived in the kingdom, the headmaster gave his daughter a gold ring and told her to wear it on her left hand. If anyone tried to remove the ring, she must strike them with lightning. He also handed her a wand made of black iron. If you ever lose this wand, you have failed in your task, the headmaster warned. But if you use it correctly, you can live forever. Good luck. That night, the princess stayed awake reading books until she fell asleep. The next morning she woke up early and dressed herself in her finest gown. Then she walked through the city gates and into the forest beyond. She couldn't see any trees, but she kept walking anyway. The closer she got to the center of the woods, the darker it became. Soon it was pitch black. She was afraid. What if she couldn't find the fountain? Then she heard a voice coming from deep within the forest. Come with me. You're the only one who can save our people. 
She followed the voice, but she didn't know where it was leading her. Where was it taking her? Was it even real? Then she saw a light in the distance. It grew larger and larger as she approached. When she reached the source of the glow, she discovered it was a magical spring. She dipped her hands into the water and the magic flowed over her skin. It felt warm, comforting, like a hug from her mother. As she sat there, the forest began to brighten. When she looked behind her, she saw a beautiful castle surrounded by colorful flowers and green grass. She ran inside. At the end of a long hall was a throne room with a large chair carved out of stone. On top of the stone seat was a golden crown and a scepter. The princess climbed onto the chair, placed the crown on her head, and picked up the scepter. As soon as she did so, the walls of the castle turned translucent and she was able to see the whole town. Every person was healthy and happy. All the animals were playing together. There was no sickness or pain anywhere. The princess realized then that the fountain of youth had healed their souls. Soon afterward, a knight appeared beside her. He introduced himself as the King of the North. He said, You have done a great deed for our kingdom, princess. Thank you for saving us. The King of the North gave the princess a new name, Rose Red and he promised to take care of her family. She returned home with a beautiful box filled with jewels, and she married a handsome prince. Or whatever. Good night, Somna.